Hey everyone, this is Andrew, and this is a series I'm calling Ritual Sense, a way for us to make sense of Jewish practices that might help us bring even deeper meaning to our lives. Episode 3, The Kaddish. As we build out our essential ritual toolkit, we have to spend time with a question that so many of us have been facing in the past year of COVID in particular that of losing people, that of death. What do we do with ourselves when we lose a loved one? What words are adequate to express ourselves? How can we bring ourselves to say a prayer after such a tragedy has already occurred? And how can a ritual hold us at such a trying time? We're going to explore that ancient Jewish practice of reciting Kaddish, the prayer that sounds like an incantation with its alliteration, rhythms, and rhymes. Yitkadal ve'yitkadash shemei rabah bi'alma divrach hirutei v'yamlich malchutei. First, a story. A few years ago, I was studying at the Jewish Theological Seminary, the summer before entering my first year of rabbinical school. I was feeling nervous. I was scheduled to chant Torah on a Thursday morning when my dear friend's stepfather walked into the sanctuary. It was a total coincidence that he was there. Not important why, but even though we didn't know each other that well, I always knew him to be a sweet and funny guy. So it made a difference when he ended up requesting to have the Aliyah, the honor of standing next to the Torah and blessing the reading before I chanted. After I finished, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said to me in this super generous and fatherly way, you're going to be a great rabbi one day. He probably noticed my voice had been shaking a bit and it was awfully kind. Not a few weeks later, I learned he passed away. And my friend told me that it was his wish to have a rabbinical student recite the Kaddish for him after his death. So I took it as my responsibility each day for 11 months to say the Kaddish. It was remarkable. I felt responsible for him, and I spent a few minutes a day concentrating on him and what he meant in my life, the kindness he showed me, the kindness I wanted to show others. It was an incredibly intimate and special experience. And every so often, someone in the congregation would gently come up to me and say, who are you saying Kaddish for? And I'd get to spread the story of this lovely human being and our unlikely connection. Yehei shmei rabba mivarach leolam olmeil maya. The word Kaddish comes from the Hebrew root for holiness or sanctity, the same root as words like kiddush and kadosh, to set apart, to set aside and elevate. It means having presence with reverence. When something is holy, we distinguish it from what is mundane, and we treat it with extra care. If you attend a prayer service, you'll notice that we use the Kaddish a bunch of different points. The prayer was initially used in ancient times as the conclusion of a concentrated time of study, but it has expanded to mark the transition in number of moments in the service. 
depending on whether it's Shabbat or the rest of the week, and depending on whether it's morning or evening, you might hear a different melody. There's one I call the xylophone. There's also one I call the racetrack. And there are others. And then there's the mourner's Kaddish. It's plain. It's unadorned. It's unsung. It's the prayer equivalent of a simple pine box in which Jews get buried. Now, this should already raise a question. How is it that the same text is being used for ending a study session and marking someone's passing? This is because the mourner's Kaddish is not explicitly about mourning or death at all. The meaning of its first line is, let us magnify and exalt the Eternal One's great name throughout the world. That whole section that goes, Yit Barach, Vayishtabach, Vayit Pa'ar, Vayit Romam, Vayit Naseh, Vayit Hadar, Vayit Aleh, Vayit Halal, Shemedekudesha, all of those yits are verbs referring to God's name, blessed and praised and exalted and glorified and honored, and you get the picture. Incidentally, if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer from Christianity, hallowed be thy name, you'll hear the echoes of the Kaddish. So, some might ask, how is this relevant or satisfying to someone grieving the loss of a loved one? Here are four different responses. The first is that mourners say Kaddish to show that in the face of loss, they are affirming life. The Kaddish puts them in a zone where they are grateful for existence, for the chance to have lived with that person that they are mourning. You're pushing yourself toward acceptance and understanding that life and death are all part of the same bargain. During the Jewish funeral, you might also hear the 23rd Psalm, which sounds a similar theme of faith and trust, but more explicit about counting on God to support the mourner in a time of need. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures. God leads me to water in places of rest. Though I walk through a valley of deepest darkness, I fear no harm, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going to play a little bit of an Israeli musical setting of this psalm, Adonai Roi, God is my shepherd, from the band Mikedem. That was Adonai Roi 
I mikedem. Depending on the nature of death and the distance we have from it, acceptance can be very hard. First, an alert that I am about to personify God, which I know some people find off-putting or nonsensical, and we often do this as a way to relate to the impossibly vast concept of that which was, is, and will be. So substitute your own understanding of God, the unknowable mysteries of the universe, if that's useful to you. Okay, the second interpretation of the Kaddish, offered by Israel's poet laureate Shai Agnon, suggests that the Eternal One is in mourning and is in need of comfort as well. Agnon notes that the words of the Kaddish indicate that the Eternal has been diminished by the loss of human life. Remember, we say, may God's name be magnified and sanctified. Therefore, we're implying that God is not at God's full strength. Agnon argued that when a person dies, the sanctity of the world has been lessened. The kingdom that is the universe experiences a terrible vacancy. God suffers, as it were, just as the human mourner suffers. So perhaps when we recite the Kaddish, we are offering God consolation for God's loss. Even though it is the natural law of the universe that living things die, the knowledge that the eternal values every person and the eternal still suffers in the loss of every one of the creatures made in God's image and serving as a potential partner to repair the world can be a source of warmth and comfort. A third way of thinking about the Kaddish is about redemption for the person being mourned or for the one who is mourning. According to the Talmud, saying the Kaddish helps elevate the soul of the deceased. Why? Well, if a child is saying Kaddish for a parent, the parent has the opportunity to be redeemed because they clearly left behind something positive, someone who is demonstrating virtue and commitment through the act of Kaddish. It might give us comfort to know that we are ensuring that our loved one lives on in our hearts and memories. And the practice may also give everyone else comfort to know that they will be remembered in the future. Now, saying the Kaddish for certain relatives may require a lot of spiritual work. Recognizing the flaws of your parent, for example, coming to some understanding of the struggle of that person to be their best selves at all times, to learn the lessons that that person failed to learn. It may be part of the healing process to come to say Kaddish. There's a powerful moment in Tony Kushner's play, Angels in America, when Lewis resists saying the Kaddish for the racist, hateful, and closeted Roy Cohn, who had just died alone of AIDS. The character Belize responds in this way. He was a terrible person. He died a hard death. So maybe a queen can forgive her vanquished foe. It isn't easy. It doesn't count if it's easy. It's the hardest thing, forgiveness, which is maybe where love and justice finally meet. Peace at last. Isn't that what the Kaddish asks for? I just want to note that during a funeral, there's an explicit call to God to protect the eternal rest of the deceased 
called El Male Rachamim, God full of mercy. So even though the Kaddish doesn't make the ask of redemption, this tradition is more specific on that level. The fourth point I want to make about the Kaddish is that the words may matter less than the setting. It's a source of comfort to say over the course of a mourning period and on the anniversary of someone's death and on special high holidays. Much of the Kaddish is in Aramaic, which was the spoken language of the time of its composition in order to make it accessible to the common people, which is maybe an irony of today. But we as Jews insist that it is recited in public in the presence of nine other Jews who can say the responsive lines back to you. Incidentally, why 10? 10 people constituted a powerful group. In the Torah, there are 10 scouts who returned from an exhibition in the land of Israel and spooked everyone with their fears of entering the land. So the reasoning is that 10 people can make an impression for good as well. So you have fellowship at a time of real loneliness and helplessness, and the act of saying it may make the difference. The Kaddish itself acknowledges that words are insufficient. After that cavalcade of verbs I read earlier, look at the phrase, le'ela min kol berchata v'shirata, tushbechata v'nechamata, ta'amiran bialma, which means beyond all of the blessings and hymns and praises and consolations that are ever spoken in the world. Essentially, we cannot express all that we wish to say. When words run out, we have a number of songs of comfort in our tradition. And here's a modern setting of words from Isaiah by Alana Arian that I find beautiful. Comfort us, comfort us in our Alana Arian with Nachamu. There's also the option of modifying the Kaddish. There's a famous adaptation that intersperses the names of various camps of the Holocaust into its recitation. There's now a Kaddish for Black Lives. In part, it reads, Black lives have been lost to the violence of the vigilante, the cruelty of the marketplace, and the silence of the comfortable. We understand that black lives are sacred, inherently valuable, and irreplaceable. We know that to oppress the body of the human is to break the heart of the divine. As the beauty of the heavens is revealed to us each day, may each day reveal to us the beauty of our common humanity. And here's the end of a modern adaptation by a poet who goes by the name Eliot Bat Tzedek, complete with English that mirrors the mesmerizing Aramaic of the original. 
and yet in shock, and yet in shame, and yet in awe, and yet to roam, and yet to stay, and yet right here, and yet away, and yet, hallelujah, my heartbeat speaks. For you live, for you live in all this murk, and two in the clear, and two in the wreckage. You are the mirror of our souls. Let us say amen. Life may harm me, rob me, ream me raw, try me, even slay me. Over all, you will prevail. And let us say amen. Say you shall loan me a tomorrow. Say you shall loan another day to all who are called Israel and all called Ishmael and all called we and they. And let us say amen. The traditional mourner's Kaddish ends with a line that may sound familiar. It's a prayer for peace. Oseh shalom bimromav, hu ya'aseh shalom, aleinu v'yal kol Yisrael, v'yal kol yoshvei tevel, v'imru, amen. May the Kaddish, or whatever practice you use to grieve and remember, bring you peace and wholeness.